You're listening to the Franchising in Focus limited series podcast. On today's episode, we have Andrew Benningfield from Chartime to discuss taking brands to new levels. Andrew has a long history of leading and working with franchise groups to grow and expand the brand. Every time I talk to Andrew, I get a new gold nugget of information and this interview is full of them. So let's do the intro and talk to Andrew on the other side. Hi, my name is Tracy Leake and I've been working with franchisors and franchisees for 17 years. I've always found the key to success is to simplify. This limited series podcast brings to you interviews with franchising experts to share valuable ideas, hints and tips for franchisors and their head office team. So grab a cuppa, maybe even a pen and paper and welcome to the Franchising in Focus podcast. So, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on. So let's start with a little bit about Char Time and a little bit of an overview of what you're doing there and about the franchise as a whole. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Tracy. It's always good to catch up. Um, Char Time, I've been here for a couple of years and I hit up uh, development and franchise recruitment and, and finding our new locations. So we're the largest of what you would classify as bubble tea, although we think about ourselves as bigger than that and and fresh fruity iced tea. We have about 100, we'll close out this year with 145 locations, he says with his fingers crossed, with a couple still to open um, for the end of the year, uh, which will, as I said, will make us the largest network across Australia, represented in every state and territory except Tasmania, which is a challenge for next year. Uh, and really the group, I've been here two years, it's been in Australia for about 12 years and, and it has risen progressively from starting as one Taiwanese-based company um, and, and I work with a master franchise down here. That's fantastic. I didn't realise you had 145. I didn't realise that you were that big, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, it's just a fact. I mean, we've, we've opened, we'll open 26 this year, our goal is 250, well, 250 in the five-year plan, which we're now a year into. So, so yeah, there's plenty of opportunity. One of the one of the keys to char time and, and what they've really focused on probably in the last five or six years is taking the brand, taking the concept of bubble tea to the mainstream. So we often, if you listen to our CEO, um, you know, he will talk about whether McDonald's a bubble tea. And we've really focused on that now when you look at it. We have more Asian, more non-Asian customers than Asian customers, which makes us unique and separate. But in a market like Australia, um, you need to be, you need to diversify. We don't have, a, we don't have, you know, we have the landmass close to North America with, with I think, what's the number? About 20% of the population. So I have to say that's probably the best thing I've ever seen at a conference presentation was, um, it was at the NFC, the National Franchise Convention. And Carlos was on stage, and he had um, like Uber Eats deliver char time for every all the people on the panel in the middle of the session. The guy comes in the door and delivers it, and they were talking about you know getting deliveries, and he was talking about how people will get that delivered to them, and then all of a sudden a delivery arrives. It was the the best thing I've ever seen in a conference presentation of showing what they were talking about and demonstrating it, saying, "Hey, look, we actually did it. It was fantastic." Yeah, it's a little bit around our, you know, one of our values is about being brave. So, um, you know, we keep it real, we keep it brave. So that, sound, that sounds like a typical car. So that it backfire on me, the Uber guy get lost. <laughs> <laughs> my question was when it got to question time, where's mine? Like <laughs> I would have put in my order, where, where's mine? Why did, was it only the panel that got one? So, you know, the funny thing is, is that 
you've been around franchising for a long time and you've been at some very high-level positions within franchises. So tell us a little bit more about your background and your experience in, in franchising and the brands that you've been a part of. Um, yeah, I have been. I'm glad you don't have the video on because you'd see all my grey hair. But, yeah, I have been around for a little while and some of that was probably caused by franchises. But, um, I, I, you know, I was, I was exposed to franchising with KFC. I mean, back I was with KFC back in the early 90s and it wasn't really a franchise brand in this country um, outside of a couple of big corporate franchises and competitive and Collins. And so I, <clears throat> the, the um, CEO at the time said, let's go and raise some capital, um, let's go and start franchising. So I had to go and learn how to do it. So it was great. It was awesome. I had all the resources and went out how to to do it. So I sp I've spent time with KFC, Pizza Hut. Then I was with um, Caltex so, and developing their franchise model because, again, they went from being really licensees to true franchisees, although interesting in the life cycle. They're now going back to being company operated. Um, so, so I did that for a while and then, of course, I spent time with yourself as a, as a franchisee um, rather than a franchisor with action business coaching, which was good fun. Um, spent time with Mrs. Fields, which I actually uh, had an ownership in and CEO for 10 odd years as we developed and grew that. And um, what else have I done? A bit of time with Luxottica and OPSM. And then, of course, now I'm at Charton. A lot of experience in there. And I, every time I talk to you, and I know some of your experience, I learn new things. Like I didn't know about the KFC of, of getting the capital and growing it. You know, you've had a lot of experience of taking brands and growing them to that next level, which is exactly why you're here. And I loved when you were at Mrs. Fields. I remember one morning turning on the TV and there you were on sunrise, I think. And I was like, hey, there's Andrew, <laughs> you know. It was, um, it's always funny when you see people, you know, popping up in places. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that at least impressed my kids who were there as well, but I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who else. But, yeah, you take advantage of these opportunities. Well, I think we, had, we actually had 24 hours notice and I flew home from Victoria to make sure I could do that. So. Wow. <laughs> So when when you actually look at that and, and you look at coming into a franchise system or a brand and saying, right, how, how can we take it to the next level? How do we make it successful? You know, over your years of experience, what are your key ingredients to actually getting a, grant, a brand to grow and to make sure that it's growing successfully? Um, I, if you think about, you know, there's a lot of different components in that and, and brand is a big part of it um, and so making sure making sure that you stay focused on the brand um, understanding understanding what makes the brand appealing and successful to your core customers and then remaining true to that so that's kind of the development of the business I think over time I've seen brands and and the moment they try selling items that aren't necessarily part of their core range they run into trouble and it's easy to do if you're under a bit of financial pressure or a bit of sales growth or you've got franchise partners that want to do these weird and wacky things um, but it dilutes the brand and you've got it you've got to stay focused on that and and also the minute you say to yourselves oh well we appeal to everyone you know we're in shopping centers for example because we appeal to everyone that's a real problem as well because you've lost your focus the reality is certainly Certainly, there's a lot of products that, that anybody can access, but you need to be focused on where's my sweet spot, where's my core, and stay true to that. And if you really drive that hard, you'll pick up the other customers. You may pick up a few other opportunities, product opportunities along the way, but you need to really 
nail down exactly what it is that that your brand is about and why it appeals to your customers, um, and then and then stick to that. So you know, I can remember um, when we did a whole lot of research for Mrs. Fields. You know, Mrs. Fields was was a little. Uh, the customers pictured her as a little American grandma in the kitchen making home baked goods. So we knew that anything that we added, and we added toasted sandwiches. You know, my acid test was: Would you go home and would Grandma make that for you? Um, now the reality was Debbie Fields, the entrepreneur that started it, was actually a um, much more of a true blonde American Barbie type personality. Um, and completely different, but that's what. But that was she was different to what the brand represented, certainly in this country. And so we really, as I said, we really focused on that, and that was the test. So, you know, that's the important stuff around brand. I guess the other, you know, the other thing is around it, one of the key questions I always ask people when they come up to me and say, "Oh, I'm thinking about franchising my business," and I know we're talking, you know, about franchise businesses now, but you've got to be really clear about why you want to franchise it and what you want to do because. You know, it is a partnership and it is about lots of communication. And, and as I've said a million times, it's much harder to get out of a franchise agreement for either party than it is to get divorced in this country. So it's actually sadly pretty easy to get divorced. But having done it in, in scale and in single, you know, if you go down that path of wanting to get separated from a franchisee or franchisor, it's friggin' difficult. So... If you don't want to build a business that's based around relationships and you're not a good communicator, um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. So you've got to figure out how you're going to address those weaknesses or choose a different path. And if you're not, you know, strong in those areas, if you're listening right now to Andrew saying, oh, you've got to be a good communicator, then go out and learn. Go out and get better at it. You know, start taking you know, courses in leadership and communication and, and practice every day or go and speak to successful franchisors and ask them how would they handle this sort of a question and analyse yourself every step of the way. I think you're spot on that communication is is so important and it's not just communication between franchisor and franchisee, it's even between, you know, the team as a whole. Like you've worked in a lot of, you know, head office teams. Obviously communication within the head office team must be really important as well. It is, it is because one of the one of the biggest things that a, a franchise system, especially at the franchise oil, can suffer from is, is the age-old problem of Chinese whispers. Um, because whether whether it's email and actually written down or verbally, it's amazing how a story can run around. Um, and this is a highly engaged, emotive business because your your franchise partners have invested in in that business. So they've got a financial commitment to it, which for the majority of them, and certainly when they initially start out, you know, is often going to be the second biggest investment they'll ever make in their life next to their residential property. And for some of them, it's ahead of the residential property because that's what they want to actually fund. Um, so, you know, they're very emotionally invested in what they're going to get out of it. So if you don't manage that, then that whole communication thing, I just, <clears throat> you know, I've, I, unfortunately I've seen it. I've probably you know, learned the lessons and I've done all sorts of things and seen the outcomes, it can really, it, and you waste a lot of time on it. You know, we actually had a strategic meeting yesterday and we were talking about that and, you know, one of the, you're going through all your cost structures and we're talking about franchise satisfaction and how we measure it. Um, and, and we said it's still vitally important because 
because the amount of time that we would waste managing a poor relationship way outweighs the amount of time that we manage we spend managing the successful ones so it's a real balancing act so and i guess the second part i would answer to you, to you sorry Tres. no i said yeah it really is a, a balancing act yeah it is it is and so you know the other thing i would say to you, if you're listening and you're saying oh this all sounds a bit you know this side of it sounds tough but i'm really committed to you know i want to grow a network because one of the reasons that you may do this is to grow a network and you want to access other people's capital um to do it and have partners with you is is you know one of the things i wrote down is you've got to hire the right people and have the right structure um and i think you know char time is actually an example of that because it was started by by a young entrepreneur who brought the brand here to sydney um as a as a master franchise and grew it to a certain level that he recognized became beyond his competency and one of those is his competency around around communication and leadership as a young person was getting stretched so you know he spent the last five or six years bringing in the right skill set um and and appointing a ceo um uh, you know foolishly recruiting people like me but um you know he's, he's built a whole team of of qualified people around him that that get out and understand what to do so and how to make it happen and so that's you know a big part of taking it this business to the next level i would have said he was smart in who he'd been hiring because i look around your team and go you're right there's a lot of very experienced very capable people who are you know just very much practical down to earth type of people whenever i hear anyone from Tai Chi smoking it's always like wow you know you guys have really starting you know you're putting one foot in front of the other in the right way it's it's not a real just like look at us look at us it's it's really solid underneath and obviously that has been a a structured plan to bring in the right people to to create that knowledge base and that experience base yeah it, it comes with uh, and both you and I, you know, worked with a lot of entrepreneurs over the years, and and one of the biggest challenges that they have, and and our entrepreneur here, Charlie, um, you know, has the same challenge, is when you're growing a business and taking it to the next level, you need to be prepared to let go. You need to recognise, you know, we don't, whilst we're capable and we know what we're doing, um, you know, we don't spend as many hours in the business as he has from day one. Um, you know, we don't do everything the way that he would like to see it done, and that can be an interesting discussion from time to time. Um, you know, and there's no silver bullet. I've seen so many businesses that are trying to grow, and they go, "Great, I'm at the next level. I can appoint a GM, and then and then I can I can step back from the business." And they fail to do that. They and they fail to recognise that there are very few. There'll always be the the exception, but there are extremely few general managers that I've ever heard of that can get it right and polished in three months. Yet most entrepreneurs get frustrated after three months when they haven't absolutely twisted every dial and got it tuned to making the most amount of money. You know, God, that takes time. And, you know, it takes an inordinate amount of time and you have to be prepared to let go and, and, and let that person do what they've got to do and learn and make a couple of mistakes. So I'm learning every day and I've been doing this, as you pointed out, for a little while. That's absolutely it. Hey, I just wanted to pause for a second to tell you about my Supporting Franchisees program that's designed to help your head office team, especially your support managers, field managers and trainers, to have more confidence when coaching your franchisees. 
The program teaches you the how and what to effectively coach franchisees to stop struggling and start making record revenues and profits month after month. Delivered online so it can be accessed 24-7 from anywhere in the world or if you have your own learning platform, you can invest in the licensing rights to the program to use forever in your system. So if team come and go, you can always have the training there ready for them to kickstart their confidence and success in supporting your franchisees. Come and check it out at supportingfranchisees.com. You mentioned before when we were just talking about, like when I talked about Carlos had brought in the, the Uber Eats with the, the char time, but you'd sort of mentioned about, you know, well, that's one of the things we focus on. So do you guys have a set of values that you're actually working towards? Like I'm, I'm kind of getting that feeling that that's what it is. You sort of said about being brave. Yeah, we have, we have a set of, so we're real, we're brave, we're curious. You're putting me on the spot now. I'll come back to it. I'll think of the other one in a second. So, um, I'm frantically looking around the office going, help me, help me. I talk about it all the time. I can't remember it now. It'll come to me in a second. Um, and, and that's what we talk to our people about. So, you know, they, they need to fit within that category. And part of that, you know, but part of being brave is, is allowing your people to make a few mistakes along the way. So um, allowing them to, to learn from those mistakes. And that can be quite, you know, when, it's, when, it, when you're the entrepreneur or you're the head and you've got your own capital invested, that's, that, you know, it can be quite challenging letting them waste some money um, and make a mistake and learn from it. But that's the only way. That you get that they're going to grow and they're going to learn from you just got to make sure it's the old adage you make sure they don't make the same mistake twice <clears throat> and if they do you know this you have to find the right people you have to be prepared to delegate to them you have to be prepared to let them learn and grow but by the same token you know if they're not cutting it you have to be prepared to get rid of them mm. so and i think that's the other trap that people fall into is they go oh you know he's a nice person he's been with me for since i started and and most of the time the people that sadly that you start with are not going to be with you at the end because they have a different skill set they were handy at the start you know funny at the moment we've got a new concept that we've just well launched just pre-covid but um, in, a, in a restaurant chain, a Korean chicken restaurant chain. And the other day we were sitting around going, we need, we need somebody that's, that knows the startup. We, want a, we you know, characteristics. We want a young person that's highly motivated that we can give some profit share to and, and can do all this stuff. And we looked around and we went, hang on, we're a 12-year-old organisation. And whilst most people would call us young and accelerating, we don't actually have those people in the organisation anymore. They, they all left six or seven years ago there's i think two people that have been outside of charlie that have been here the whole way through and that's just part of the evolution and the growth but you've got to be prepared to to do the hard thing which is cut people free as and when required and and often that's to their benefit as well as yours mm. that's a really good point that you know until you've just said it, i've never really thought about it but it is true that as you go through the stages of your business you need different team members on board and you know no one is good at everything you know you, you always know where you're good at you know who you're good at working with and what your areas are and to focus on that and you know that's really important I think too even you know if you do have a franchisor that is well established and they're getting a bit stale or things are not getting the traction and the stability they need they probably need to look at their team and say hey we're still got a lot of startup specialists we're still working as if we're a startup and we're not a startup anymore and we need to bring in some more experience or people at that 
it's not necessarily saying that they're better than those ones. They're just saying, you know, we're changing the team. You know, we're, we're now in the second leg of the race. Now we need people who run the second leg of the relay race. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, if I tell another little story, one of the reasons, as I said, I was with the Mrs. Fields business for 10 years. I still have some ownership in that. Um, and we did a lot. We did a lot in 10 years that I'm proud of. Um, in terms of growing that brand, expanding it. As I said, we amalgamated a second brand, the Cookie Man brand, when we brought that. We completely reinvigorated that business at the time, improved the partner profitability, grew from 10 to 50-odd stores. But you know what? I got to the point where I realised I was getting out of bed in the morning and it was a drag to go there. I didn't want to go there anymore because I'd actually achieved what I wanted to achieve. I'd stepped out from corporate life. I'd done all those things. And so I went, so, you know, the weirdest thing is when you sit in your own boardroom and tell your team, you know what, I just resigned. Um, but I sat with this with my fellow shareholders and said, I'm the biggest thing that's blocking this business now. There's some talented people here that know where they want to go, which was actually a path a, a bit away from, from the retail side. That's a separate story. But, um, you know, they know where they want to go and they went, but, but I'm, I'm the tired, wasn't so old then, but I'm the tired old bloke in the corner that's, that's, that's holding stuff up. So I made the decision to step aside. And and that business, as I said, has gone in a different direction, but it's done very well. So and it's a credit to the to the younger people in particular that are there that have really driven it hard. Yeah, and I think it is. It's you know, you have to be so aware when you're a leader in a business to know, you know, exactly that. I mean, a lot of people won't let their ego, you know, allow them to say, Hey, I'm in the way that their ego keeps saying, No, no, I've got to be the leader, I've got to keep moving forward and Sometimes the best thing you can do as a leader is have the awareness and go, okay, it's time for me to hand the baton to someone else. Um, and you did do yeah. amazing things with Mrs. Fields, you know, it really started, it hit the map. And that's why people now want you to come and take that same thing for their brand, you know, hence why you're here even talking to me now. So, you know, if you are, you know, say you're coming into a new brand, you know, like you, you've left Char Times, we pretend that because I know the guys won't let you go anytime soon. Um, you go into a new franchise system and you look at it and they say, right, what do we need to do to go to the next level? Do you have some key things that you kind of look at first to sort of say, right, these are my boxes that I want to check off and see what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first, yeah, I guess the, one of the first things that I would look at is the, is the model sound, is the model commercially sound, for both the franchisor and the franchisee. So, and will, is it stretchable? So often, particularly smaller groups, they'll have a good successful run. You know, they run maybe their first few stores themselves and then they get some excited and, and, um, and franchisees that really want to be part of the brand and they come in, etc. And and they get the first few locations right or the first few service, you know, if it's in vans or territories or whatever. But you got to look and say, is that sustainable? So if I'm the if I'm the only one in the segment when a competitor arrives, is it going to be sustainable? Can I stretch it outside of outside of the state, perhaps, or even the city, or or, or whatever? It can it spread from a geog geographical point of view. You know, basically, what's going to happen when the model's under a bit of pressure? Um, is everybody going to remain basically profitable? So. Can we manage it? Sometimes cash flow is difficult to manage, but if, it, if the underlying profitability is there. So I think that's the first core is to get that right. Um, <clears throat> and then, as I said, this and, and, and understanding, sorry, the, 
how everybody makes their money. So how does the franchisor make their money? How does the, fran how does the franchisee make their money? How are those connected together? Um, and the next one's the people. As I've said before, you know, what, who, what are the people like? Um, does, does, you know, and a lot of franchise organisations start with an entrepreneur at the bottom. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a great way for an entrepreneur to grow a business, really awesome way to grow. It's less so with corporates that all of a sudden decide they want to go franchising. That, if you ever hear of that, run a million miles. Um, but, <laughs> um, so, you know, but have they got the willingness to learn and that discipline about what they're going to have to do to manage the people. Because the other interesting thing in franchising, and I come across this so often, is a, a franchisee, or I should say a franchisor, chooses to franchise because they go, that's great. I can delegate the people part, the maybe the middle of the night stuff. You know, I can delegate all the stuff. To, and, and I'll get in people that can run a business and they'll take care of all of that and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Franchisees, and I, and I was speaking to some prospects today, they buy a franchise business. These people today were coming out of corporate life after 20 years and the first thing they said to me is, we don't know how to run a business so we want to buy a franchise. So you've got these people that want to buy a franchise because they want to learn how to run a business and you've got these franchisors that want to delegate everything about running the business to the franchisee and not have to deal with it anymore. And so you, you, you and funnily enough, that's why I said the comment about the corporates because corporates are particularly good at doing this. You know, they sit in the boardroom and go, oh, we get all these young and enthusiastic, self-motivated business people and we don't have to manage them and they'll go off and they'll run the brand and they'll go and do all this sort of stuff. Well, sorry, your customer, <laughs> that's not why they're buying. Um, so you have to recognise that. You have to recognise that, that you're going to have to develop systems, processes and, and all those sorts of things and teach your people as they go along and you end up running a big team of people. They may be a different commercial relationship, but you're running a big team of people. And if you don't want to, as I said, if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but then bring in the people that can do it for you and give them enough room to do it. So nothing wrong with being the figurehead that, that, that drives around and... and um, what did they say? Colonel Sanders was a bit like that. He was the figurehead and he had a whole lot of people that did all the work for him. So I mean, that isn't that, I think it was Henry Ford who said that, you know, employ people smarter than you to actually to run it and keep things yep. going. But that's such a good point. Again, you, you always give me good points whenever I talk to you about, you know, remembering that a lot of people are buying a franchise because they want to learn how to run a business. And, you know, if you want success in a franchise, the most successful way you can build your franchise is to get your franchisees to act, think and run their business like a business owner, not like someone who's bought a job. And, you know, remembering yep. to train them all of those basic things that, you know, sometimes you forget when you've been in a business a long time that there's certain things that you just know about running a business and you've got to start, you know, teaching people deliberately what you kind of know instinctually and, and getting that across. So... Is there any big no-nos when it comes to taking a brand to the next level or things that you should look at or, you know, in this case, hopefully avoid? Um, well, yeah, I, it, it, look, there probably is. I think um, it's interwhelmed with some of those other things that I've talked about. You know, if you, if, if you don't want to learn and grow, then that's a no. I, I think one of the, as I said, you have to have, you have to have control of your finance and understand where the money's coming from. Um, you see 
I've seen franchise businesses grow and then collapse spectacularly because they're actually making their money by selling the franchise in the first place and then didn't do a great job of managing what was happening underneath that. So when they stopped being able to sell franchises for a variety of different reasons, the whole thing imploded. And then, you know, sadly, the poor old franchisee that brought in is the one that, that, that got done over the most out of that whole exercise. So, yeah, yeah, don't do it. As I said before, it's a great way to access other people's capital to help you expand, but using their capital to expand their business, to expand your brand and your distribution channel not using their capital to lie in your pocket for you to give you capital to go and do the stuff that you want to do. You've got to leave enough on the table um, for them to be able to exercise. So if you're approaching it, if you're approaching it from that viewpoint, then I think that's that's definitely not what you want to do. Um, and as I said, the other thing is the the most successful systems that I've seen get really clear around what their brand and their product offering is. If you periodically run into people and they go, well, it's a bit of a, you know, I've got some product from over here and product from over here or I've got this service, this service and this service, well, you're just a consolidator. There's nothing in that. So there's nothing, there's no point of difference. Um, there's nothing really clear out of it. You're just consolidating services or consolidating products. And if that's what you're doing, that's fine. And it may work really well, but that's going to be very hard to take to the next level. I always love how you, you word things. It always just makes things so clear. So I don't want to hold you on forever, so um, let's finish up a little bit. But give us some last words of wisdom, you know. Give us a couple of final hints and tips out of the Andrew Volt of hints and tips. <laughs> um, look, I think it's said a million times, but have fun. Um, you know, if you're, as I said before, if you can't get out of bed and run into work, you know, this is a franchising is an extremely rewarding business because you're working with your business partners and, and other people. Um, and naturally, most of those people that go into their own business, whether they're buying one of yours or they're you starting up your own business, they're motivated by success. And so you can have some fantastic times, you know, awards, conferences, just actually winning, just having fun with your customers. But it's friggin' hard work, and and as I said before, you, it it really is a people business. So you've got to you've got to really enjoy people relationships um, and dealing with people um, and supporting and helping people. And and if you can do it, if you do it, if that what makes you tick, and you continue to have fun, the minute you stop having fun, then go and find something else to do. So that that's the biggest thing for me is it's it's too hard otherwise. Absolutely. So, um, Andrew, thank you. Thank you as always. Um, if people want to learn more about Char Time, where should we go? No, oh, well, like everyone, you can go to chartime.com.au and, uh, and you'll find out everything about Char Time. Or as I said, 150 locations, check in a high street or a shopping centre. You'll probably find one um, locally. So, um, and, and it's a good product, although I must, I must admit, it's enjoyed by the younger generation more so than myself, but I do like a, a do like a nice green, fresh, fruity iced tea. I was going to ask you what what's your pick of of the uh, the line of what should we be having? So um, I will add that one to the list. So thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciated your time and of course all of your 
great wisdom as always. And if you ever see Andrew around, he's a great person to grab a cup of tea with and um, have a chat to. Um, there's a wealth of knowledge there for us all to um, suck dry whenever possible. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Always willing to help. Thanks for listening to the Franchising and Focus limited series podcast today. If you're loving the podcast and would like another limited series or know someone that I should be interviewing, even you, then please email me at support at You can find more episodes of this podcast at franchisinginfocus.com. And if you'd like to receive a free e-copy of my best-selling book, 101 Tips for Franchisees, then just simply head over to 101tipsforfranchisees.com and download your copy today.